welcome to Wemek Talks. This is episode six. We are now in June, so as you all know, this is Pride Month. And today we have Yana, Ollie, Hello. and Ness. Hey, 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 hey. Hey. Hi, all. How's everyone doing? Pretty Very good. I'm, I'm, great. I'm sunshine um, and going, well, I should be enjoying this for the rest of the afternoon. But in fact, I've got to go and get the, uh, the old COVID jab. Um, at 3.15 uh, this afternoon, which is a good thing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm worried it's going to eat up more of my weekend than I, than I might otherwise have liked. I got mine on Tuesday and I can say it wasn't that bad. Like I felt my arm a bit for the rest of the day, but it was like I didn't have any like major symptoms or something for the for like the next couple of days. Okay. Uh, and it was super fast. I'm fully vaccinated because I'm obviously 50. <laughs> And when you're this old, they jab you first. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my partner got it earlier than me. Um, somehow, he I, th I think he he's still registered in a in a high risk part of London, even though we've moved since. Um, so they gave him the call and said, "You want to come over?" Wow. Um, so despite being about suddenly, I'm doubting how old he is. He's 23. Um, <laughs> he's he's jumped way ahead of me in the queue, and I was furious about it. Hilarious. <laughs> No, I'm, you guys are lucky to get me even up and awake because it's a weekend and um, I, I'm going to quote one of my colleagues. Um, a few years ago, we had a, a pride breakfast for work and it was scheduled for 8.30. And of course, I had to be there at 7.30. So it's during the week, off you go. It's still dark because it was Christmas time. And I get a message from my mate and he's going, babe, what is this 8.30? I said, don't start with me. I'm here already. He goes, I'm gay. Don't you know I don't do anything before brunch? <laughs> I'm quoting you on that. If anybody asks me anything, it's like, I'm gay or I'm LGBTQ. I don't do anything before brunch. <laughs> That's a fabulous quote. I'm going to use that. Brilliant. Isn't do Facebook have anything planned for Pride this year? I know you're all working from home. Um, actually, or... Yeah, they've got a quite a big um, virtual. Um, they've obviously they've pivoted for the past couple of years. Um, still very much working with um, Pride in London, and um, they've got a an incredible program of just various international conversations that they're having. A lot of fireside chats a lot of panels um looking at different issues that people are facing working from home the mental health side of things um supporting black lives matter looking at our api which is um, asian pacific and uh, asian pacific islander groups um who have been really badly racially targeted as well um, so really stepping up the intersectionality, working with the woman at group, the differently abled group, um, putting a lot of that kind of stuff together. So when we go on to Pride at Facebook, we've got an internal group. There's an international menu that you can um, go to, but within every region. So within EMEA, which is Europe, Middle East, and Asia, uh, and Africa, and then there's APEC, which is Asia. Asia Pacific, including Australia and then the Americas, everyone's got their own programming as well. So the 
cool thing about all of that is everything's recorded. So if you want to see something that happened in APAC, which was at like stupid o'clock your time, you can go a little bit later and go and check it out. So there's a lot going on. I think we are still partnering quite substantially with a company, a group called Just Like Us, and they provide ambassadors to schools. So basically they would get um, somebody who went to a school and I think you've got to be between 18 and 24 and then they train you up and then you go back into your school and talk about LGBTQ and just to normalize and to for children to understand that you know it's okay to be who you want to be and I think they are I don't know what the stats are for this year but last year they reached 1.8 million children in schools across the UK. Wow. That's brilliant. That's amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? So good. It is. So, and, and, so, and so important, I think, as well. Vital. Um, because I, what, what you're saying about normalising that sense of self-identity and the, the, the issues, um, both in this country and around the world, it's not that my school failed in that sense, because I, I'd still have huge affection for the school I went to, and I go back to alumni events, and I still have a lot of friends who went there. But it, it was, in a sense, um, a different time. You know, I went to secondary school in that sort of immediate post-Section 28 era. And, okay, people were allowed to talk about these things again. But I think because there had been such a kind of hiatus, no one really knew how to. No one really knew how to talk about um, issues relating to, to LGBT plus matters. Um, and so I don't remember it ever being talked about very much, certainly not in a class setting, not that I can recall. Really, the first organisation or environment where I where I experienced that was this choir. Maxine, you and I have talked before about how kind of fundamental that organisation was to, to me coming out. Um, and we might come on to that in a bit. But it, it was, it was, it was an environment which in which encouraged self-expression and that sense that Ness was talking about of, of be the person that you want to be and finding your own meaning in the song that we do. I mean, how many times have you heard Charlie or a musical director that we work with um, talking about storytelling? You know, they're, they're, not, they're not just saying that because it's because of its lip service. This stuff actually matters. It, it, it sets an example, I think, of how organizations should, should approach these things. Yeah, I would definitely second that. Like for me, I remember when we did the Beatles trip and I think all of you guys were on it as well. Um, and I Love Her is still one of my favorite things that we ever got to sing because, yeah, it just the time that it came and everything, it, yeah, it just started to carry a special meaning. And um, yeah, and just to, to be able to be open and just kind of, yeah, not not have to worry about how things come across, just kind of do your own thing and explore yourself. That's definitely definitely very encouraged and great at WAMIC. And I also want to second that thing that kind of it being another era now, because I'm friends that I have that are quite a bit younger, like just starting out in their twenties, like for them, it's, it's just so, I would say even normal, not, not to even have to worry about, you know, if they're LGBTQ plus, if just to be open about that. Um, because I guess they were at that at that time. It's 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 been even more encouraged to like also talk about it and stuff. Whereas I myself, like you said, Ollie, like that's never been a conversation. And I've grown up in a small town, so that's definitely going to be a lot different than when you grow up in London as well. Mm -hmm. But that's never been either, and not not even thinking about classrooms, but also like in in kind of 
our free time that's just never been something that's that's really been put on the radar so yeah it's 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 good to see these developments happening and, and being out there for sure I think also that's that's what made it really important for me when I was part well when I um, led the pride at London group at Facebook having the choir I went up to Charlie one day and I just said I want to I want to just run something by you what do you think of the choir coming to sing at our pride celebrations and her face oh my god <laughs> I, I can picture it already <laughs> Oh my God! Are you serious? I went, yeah. Let's let's do it. And um, I'm having a pressure, but... <laughs> and and being able to go back to the group and saying, "Hey, so just so you know, I've managed to get us a choir for breakfast." And they went, "What?" And the impact that having the choir made was absolutely phenomenal. People still talk talk about it. And the next year, it was like. We're having a choir again, right? And I went, oh, do you want them again? Yeah. It's like, hey, Charlie, so do you want it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you didn't even have to finish the sentence. So it was just, and, you know, when I stepped down from leading, um, because I'd pretty much been on the, the leading committee for about four years and needed a bit of break, um, I said to the folks, because when I stepped down, they went, um, what about the choir? I said, I don't think there's going to be a problem. I think just let me know if you want the choir and I'll have a chat with Charlie. And I'm sure the choir will be more than happy to come and sing at Facebook again. And the way they curated the songs and the interaction, you know, singing Just Be was amazing. And dear Evan Hansen, I'm just getting goosebumps just thinking about it now. You know, the yeah. impact was phenomenal. I remember that first performance that we did for you guys at Pride and it, yeah, it was even like for me as well, it was just magical. So it's it's amazing to hear that for the people at Facebook, it was so, so great and it had such an impact as well. Loved it. I, I did both performances. I did the 2018 one and the 2019 one and it, and it fell in a sense perfectly placed. So I, I came out in June 2019. Um, so I was, I was 25 and so the first time that we we did the Facebook Pride gig, I was still closeted, and I it it, it didn't necessarily trouble me at the time. You know, it was it was a fun gig. I perhaps didn't um, interact with it to the the fullest extent that I might do today. But you know, it was it was it was it was a good repertoire and it was a fun environment. And it was nice to um, be in those offices. And you um, had prosecco, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Just checking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I interacted to that extent. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the second time, um, I had, I think I'd come out. It was there was less than a month in it. I think possibly wow. two or three weeks. Um, and the first person that I told was was another member of the choir. Um, many people listening, I'm sure, will know uh, Angel Captain Julie and. She'll tell you because I stayed at her place the night before we did the gig, and I was absolutely terrified um, because, oh, because it was it was it was very very raw for me, um, and I I had no idea. There was maybe a handful of people that knew, but it was still largely something that I was keeping to myself, and I very nearly didn't go. Mm. Um, and in fact, it was it. I wouldn't go as far as to say Julie made me go. <laughs> 
Julie um, made you know. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I mean, the, th the thing about um, Julia is that I mean, she she she's quite a guarded person, um, and she she doesn't um, she she doesn't necessarily wear her heart on her sleeve. But if you are if you are her good friend, you know, she's she's incredibly loyal and very supportive, and you know, she and dependable. And I think she she knew that this would be a good thing for me to do, and she kind of pushed me in that direction and she was right and I'm glad she did having said that when I got to the gig we'd, we'd, we'd done the makeup and we'd been backstage and all this kind of thing and the the way that we'd gone out um, in front of the audience Simon had arranged it so that just by chance I'd ended up in the very centre of the front row normally something like that would not trouble me i don't get particularly nervous in front of an audience i'm not that fussed about making mistakes and things like that but on that occasion it was one of those things where you go i can't believe this is happening to me um, <laughs> it's like and, a neon and we're singing above your head right <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're singing these songs which have suddenly taken on a new meaning you know going back to what we were saying about the storytelling and i can remember standing next to um gareth um who's also an angel at that time um, and we sang the Dear Evan Hansen number, You'll Be Found, which, you know, has, has incredibly touching lyrics, particularly in that kind of environment. And I think he could, he could see that I was physically shaking at one point. Um, and he held my hand for part of that song. Um, and, it, and it's genuine, it, I've never forgotten that. I mean, well, it's only two years ago, but it, it's honestly one of the sweetest things anyone has ever done for me. That's amazing. That is so amazing. You know, and props to Julie, because what the Pride community needs is allies. And the Pride movement, everyone says, you know, oh, it's Pride. Yeah, it started as a riot. People needed to stand up and listen. And I went to a gala dinner uh, a few years ago. And I forget the comedian's name, um, Stephen. Ugh. Anyway, awesome guy. And he gave his keynote speech and turned around and said, We've done a lot. We've done a lot. We've come a long way. Look at where we are. Gay marriages being, same-sex marriages being legalized um, and acknowledged. But we've got so much, so much more to do. So that's the thing. People, people think, oh, you know, pride's been going. We don't really need to stand up for them. But it's in the workplace. It's in the choir. It's in everyday life. You know, you see people walking hand in hand, um, same sex relationships, and you see other people's reactions like, oh, it's like, how brave are you to go up and say, excuse me, that wasn't very nice. You know, and trans people also as well. There's still so much discrimination against trans oh people, etc. It's the, the trans community is... You know, they're having such a hard time, but even within the LGBT community as well. Yeah, you know, there's absolutely. Some, there are some people in the lesbian community that will not accept trans women. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, do you know what? That is so blinkered. You're going back to, you know, why don't you just slap homophobia on your forehead and just be done with it? Because you are not that special, mate. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you, I, this is the joke, right? So... I, my late partner, she passed in 2016. Um, she was a gold star lesbian, beautiful girl, never been with a boy in any way, shape or form. And I remember one day her and I were chatting uh, about issues like this. And I turned around, I said, well, basically you're a bigot, right? 
She said, what? I said, yeah, you're a bigot. You only go for girls. You've never given a boy a go. And she said, what do you mean you've never given a boy a go? I said, well, you are. You know, I think the only people who can honestly, hand on heart, say that they are not bigoted or homophobic in any way are the buy and pan people because we'll give anything a go, right? <laughs> so, we are the most inclusive people on the planet. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you are. How you identify, you'll do. Like, well, I gave both a go. I know which I prefer now. Hey. Um, <laughs> you see, you're not a bigoted. You're not a bigoted gay. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, it, it is, it is. There, there, there is a general kind of complacency, I think, about these issues. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's why it is important to have um, allies who are not, who don't identify. Um, as LGBT uh, plus um, and you know I, I I talk to people about political social issues on social media quite a lot and I, I try to engage um, constructively where possible it's not always um, reciprocated um, but one, one of the things that um, that crops up a lot is exactly what you're saying that people have said well you know gay couples can adopt, um, we have same-sex marriage, we have anti-discrimination laws, we've repealed Section 28. What more is there to do, you know? And, and why do we still need events like this? And, and for me, they're fundamental, they're very, very important um, for a number of reasons, and not least because a right, a, a liberty or a right that you've won is not necessarily there for all time. They they can be given and they can be taken away. And you can see that in certain parts of America now where women's rights, abortion rights are being gradually rolled back um, in certain states. So I, you know, I, I, that sense of complacency can't be allowed to, to slip in really. People aren't complacent about their own civil liberties, by the way. They never are. Um, oh, no. because because they're very upset when in the midst of a pandemic the government tells them they can't go to the pub but it's it's only other people's civil liberties that people have a problem with mm, i i think it's also within the lgbt plus community because there's just not that amount of education and i think that's where it's also important for us to educate ourselves so, uh, like for example i started listening to a podcast shout out to the uh, your queer story podcast and um like they they do a very good job especially recently in like highlighting important points of lgbtq history lgbtq issues and i think that's that's just important to have a platform and and source of information like that for us for the community ourselves because it there's just no common education about it to be aware for, for that ourselves because if we aren't aware of that ourselves how can we expect other people be they allies be they not to be aware of them if we aren't ourselves Jana are you experiencing anything like that um, within the LGBT community um, do you how, how much how much of it do you see the, the ignorance you mean yeah I would say quite a bit, like, for example, Pride is a good example. Um, you know, how many people really aren't aware, like you mentioned, that it started as a riot, that, you know, the, the real sources of it. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's quite a, in, in, in my, obviously, like, I can't speak for, for other people as much, but I, I'd say it's probably not a very uncommon thing not, not to have that much knowledge and awareness. So do you think maybe that 
allies or non-identifying folks have more of a need to learn or, or they, they feel they need to know more so they'll research it more than what the actual community would do um, I, I would say it's on both the community itself as well as allies to the same degree in my opinion interesting I mean it's you know I I have a conversation with um, I've got a, a black colleague who is awesome and she you know she's very vocal about everything <laughs> which is why I love her and her and I chat about it often you know for if I look at the situation that she faces every day she experiences the discrimination instantly because you can see her skin color whereas your sexuality and how you identify is secondary so somebody who identifies is not necessarily going to have that instant discrimination. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about the whole teaching piece. And she just said to me, she said, Ness, I'm tired. I'm tired of explaining why I'm black. It's, yeah. not, it's not up to me. It's up to you. You need to go and do the research. Why do I need to tell you? Because if I tell you and I've got to tell so-and-so, I'm going to spend my whole life telling people instead of living. I want to live. And I think that's such an important message to get out to people who don't identify. Don't expect the LGBT community to tell you what we need. Go research. Go online and type in, what can I do to be an ally? And I tell you what, you oh, yeah. will have so much online information that you can absolutely, you can lose yourself in the internet for days, months, years even. But as an as somebody who doesn't identify, even if you don't like the idea, even if you're uncomfortable, even if it's something that you feel, I, I like that person, but I don't agree with their lifestyle, that's fine. But just go and do a little bit of research and understand why they are the way they are. Don't expect them to tell you because it's not on, it's not on me to tell you why I am the way I am. I was born this way. Thank you, Lady Gaga. <laughs> Certainly, there are some fantastic resources that people can find out there. That and I, th I think the message is simple: you want you can educate yourself. Um, there, are, there are there are fantastic books out there that equip you to challenge friends, family, colleagues, people who you know. I, I don't, in a sense, always. I don't necessarily think people are to blame for ignorance all of the time. Um, no. You know, so, sometimes it's it's active oppression and sometimes it's misunderstanding ignorance can take many forms mm. um so if if we where we can have constructive discourse with people it's it's important to to do so and i think what ness was saying earlier about the internationalism of this that's really important too this this has got to be a global um understanding and a global community um, you know, I, I, I get very irritated with certain media outlets who like to um, suggest that, you know, that Britain is, is now this kind of damp, finished little island somewhere in the North Atlantic somewhere. Actually, we're, we're no, I'd, I'd say that because what we do in Britain matters. Yeah, uh, absolutely. No, we, we are an, you know, we are an important geopolitical space. What we do matters around the world, and it creates ripple effects around the world. Mm -hmm. And we are one of 
you know, as you say, we have a long way to go, but we are, we are one of the most liberal countries in regards to these issues in the world. There are a yeah. lot of countries in the world where people are still imprisoned, executed, tortured for being who they are. Absolutely. And so it is important that we continue to be that beacon around the world. You know, why, why is it the pride has to be so visible? You know, people ask me, you know, why, why um, do we need to care? You know, I, people say to me, I don't care who uh, you sleep with. I don't care who, you know, what you identify as, you know, why, why do I need to have this kind of pushed in my face? Well, actually, this is about presenting a place for people who are feeling perhaps isolated or fearful um, to go to. Um, you know, I, some of the worst prejudice that still goes on, even in this country today, is, in my view, the prejudice that goes on behind closed doors. And, you know, th thankfully, I've, I've not experienced that myself, but I, I, I know of um, people very close to me that have. And the only way that you can ever solve that kind of prejudice is if the victim is able to, is able to talk to someone outside the family home. We can't have a surveillance what goes on behind closed doors, okay? Anti-discrimination laws, okay, you can police what goes on on the streets. You can police what goes on in, uh, in workplaces or in pubs or whatever. But family prejudice is, is a very different thing. And, and, and you are, particularly if you're a child, you're stuck with it. So yeah. it has to be visible so that people have a place to gravitate towards when they are vulnerable um, or alone. Yeah, especially because what we said earlier, coming back to having WEMEC as this kind of safe space for us, obviously other people don't have that. So for them to just even see that visibility is such an important thing to just even see that, you know, tons of people come together to celebrate Pride and just have a good time. I think that makes so much of a difference as well to, to normalize that for, yeah, as you said, in, in family groups as well. Yeah, I mean, I... I know I know what you mean about um, safe space, but I I don't I don't necessarily see the choir in those terms. Actually, for me, it's 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 less of a safe space and more of a kind of blank canvas. Mm -hmm. You know, it is yeah. it is what you make of it, and you have the right to make of it whatever you want to. Absolutely. Um, you know, if if it were, you know, I I joined the choir um, when I was still closeted. If it, if if Wemek were a choir that were expressly an LGBT plus choir, I would have run a mile from it at that time because it was <laughs> no, I, I would because it yeah. was something that I would, you know, I was obviously in, in denial about to one extent or another. But it, it, it is a place that gives you the scope to explore um, yourself. And it, it, and it is, I suppose, a kind of a snapshot of what an open society would look like um, where people of all, distinctions, ages, sexualities, identities, whatever, however you want to phrase it, can live harmoniously and without question. Yeah, that, that, that's what I kind of meant by yeah. safe, so safe space, safe space, not necessarily restricted to just LGBTQ issues or whatever, just to generally that, you know, you can come and just be whoever you want, whatever form that might take for you as obviously as long as it's not harmful to others. I mean, echoing on what Ollie said about, you know, the family unit, and it's it's something that I, how do you put this without, basically, I'm South African, so my parents are, for all intents and purposes, even though they think they're not racist bigots, <laughs> you know, they've moved to the UK, and they think they're okay, and every now and then, 
my dad will make a comment like, oh, that gay. And it's like, ah, daughter over here. Hello. Not straight. And I think the, the fact that I'm bi is a problem for them. They thought that I was a lesbian when I was dating women. And now I'm married to a man. I think they think I'm cured. I'm straight now. And it's like, well, not really, because the pretty girl might walk by. And it's like, oh, look at that. That's nice. So, okay, no, I'm not, I'm not that predatory. But, you know, I'm trying to illustrate a point. But it, it's true. Um, you know, and it's, it's interesting. There was an occasion where my nephew, a lot younger, um, we were on the train station waiting for the train. And he made some comment about, oh, that's so gay. I went, what does that mean? He goes, oh, well, it's stupid. I said, so why is being gay stupid? I said, oh, well, it's just a, it's a saying. I said, but you do realize that your, your uncle is gay and he's married. How do you think that would make him feel? And, you know, being able to have that conversation. And I, afterwards, I said to my sister, just so you know, this is what I said. And in case the kids didn't know I was bi, I told him and I said, and it offends me because I'm not straight. And he went, what do you mean you're not straight? I said, I might be married to Nathan, but I'm definitely not straight. I never have been, you know, and growing up in South Africa, you wouldn't have even thought about coming out. In fact, I didn't even know about coming out. I didn't know about, I just thought it was like this dirty little, oh my goodness, I really fancy my best mate or that teacher's really amazing and I can't understand why I like her so much because I shouldn't. Um, you know, is there something wrong with me? And I think that whole family unit is can be so, so fearful, you know, because you don't want to disappoint your parents. Look, I don't know, people have different relationships with their parents. But essentially, you want to hope that folks have a loving, caring relationship and they want that kind of support. But it's not always that easy because, you know, they are they will be an older generation. They might, might not be that forward thinking. And the the other thing for me was um, I used to belong to a non-denominational church and I left membership and I said to the minister I'm sorry I can't be part of the the church membership anymore and I can't lead the um the 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 not the gospel what do they call them um the worship team I can't be on the worship team and she said to me why and I told her I said I'm dating a woman and she said to me so I said but the thing is it's I can't be a hypocrite and my beliefs and what I feel as a human being and what's right for me doesn't match with the doctrine that this church follows. And she turned around to me and she said to me, that is ridiculous and I'm sad you feel that way, but I understand why you're doing it and I respect you, but I want you to know that this is your spiritual home and you can always come back here and I would love for the two of you to come and have some tea with me. And I thought to myself, wow, a minister in a traditional or non-traditional Baptist mm -hmm. church saying to me, this is your spiritual home. I don't care who you sleep with. This is, you know, and that to me was powerful. And I thought, if that's one person, how do we, how do we replicate that? Can it be replicated? And then that a few years later, and I did, I left the church. And a few, a few years later, when I took part in my first pride no actually my second pride with facebook on the float we went past um on our float and i don't know if you, any of you remember gogglebox 
yeah. where was that minister, that lady minister, I don't know what her name is, but her and her, her and her husband oh, used to I can't watch. remember her name. I can picture her. But you know, the, the blonde, she had like the blonde, long blonde bob kind yes. of thing. Yes. Lovely lady. And we went past and there she was. And she was holding up a placard saying, we love you. And mm. I just, I burst into tears. And because that brought back that whole thing for me, because mm. my faith, I still really believe. I still get so uplifted when I sing gospel and you know, my husband's a complete atheist, so there's a complete contradiction right there. But that whole, that whole contradiction of this is who I am, how do I believe? And I think for people who root their anti-LGBT-ness in faith and religion, I'm going to call I, I'm sorry, I'm going to call bullshit on that. Sorry, Maxine, you can edit that out if you like, but I'm going to call it. Because if that minister can turn around to me and say, this is your spiritual home, you're looking and you're going, so really? And people go, oh, but what would Jesus do? Exactly that. He wasn't there for the Christians. He was there for the sinners. So for those people listening who are going, oh, I can't listen to this LGBTQ because it goes against my faith. You need to go check your faith a bit. Just challenging it there a little bit. <laughs> right, by the way, for the benefit of the, the listeners, um, Maxine shook her head at editing out that bit. So. <laughs> the, the bullshit is staying in the part. Yeah, it's staying. Yeah, I have to say it's, it's very lovely to hear that story, Ness, because I've had uh, the kind of the opposite experience to that. Whereas, um, so I moved away from, from the town I grew up in when I was 20. So also just like kind of, you know, figuring everything out. Um, so that was never an issue for me being in church, but I have been quite involved in the church and from from very early on, just in, in terms of like also like uh, organized like church camps and stuff. So I've, I've always been very active there for, you know, at least from when I was 16 on uh, and helped there a lot. And uh, then later I heard that once they were allowed to also um, marry gay or LGBT um, couples that the, the two pastors that I dealt with who in, in town, at least one of them in town has kind of, yeah, it's said to be very like progressive and the fun, cool pastor um, that both of them just straight up said, nope, we know we can, but that's never going to happen in our church. Uh, so when I heard that, that was not a shock, but it, it was, it, it kind of, um, yeah, strengthened me in in my in my conviction to be like um yeah it's it's not a bad thing that i that i stepped away from that church i think that's probably one of the the hardest things was for me was trying to marry the the faith versus the identity and i think that is for a lot of people um and at the same time there's so many things that go around like for Ollie, I mean, you came out very recently, and I I get that whole terrified situation, um, you know. And in a way, you've come out at such a good time because we are. Oh, without at, a doubt, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got so much support around you, and I have such LGBTQ imposter syndrome every single day because I never had this kind of thing. I came out in 2009 when my girlfriend and I broke up, you know, and it was, 
I never went through that whole um, persecution style, style of things. And when I, I talked to some of my friends who went to school and really struggled and got bullied and got beaten up for yeah. their identity, and you just think, my God, have I earned the right to be who I am? You know, can mm-hmm. I actually walk around there and march in the pride parade? Because I haven't, I haven't needed to fight. I haven't needed to hide. I, ha- I don't go into the bathroom and cry because, you know, I've been beaten up because of I'm too effeminate or I'm too masculine. You know, it's, it's things like that. And you just think, have I done enough? And I think within the LGBTQ community, there might be a lot of imposter syndrome feeling, you know, have I earned my stripes kind of thing. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I, well, I experience it sometimes, but in a different way, I think, Um, because the thing that one of the things that frightened me about it was not necessarily prejudice from others. You know, I'm, I'm relatively kind of thick skinned about that kind of thing. Um, and you know, I've, I've, I've been accosted a couple of times when I've been out with Mark in public, but you know, one hand can count that on. But one of the things that I found that troubled me, and it was a misconception, and again, the choir really helped me to break this, was being kind of siloed, being caged in the sense that when I thought about homosexuality and what it meant to be gay, I thought it was it was a package deal in the sense that if you are gay, it's not simply that you are attracted to your own gender. It's the idea that if you are gay, well, these this is the way you've got to behave, and these are the interests mm. you've got to have, and these are the places you've got to hang out, and these are the people you've got to hang out there with, and 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 so on and so forth. And I can do all that stuff, you know, when I feel like doing it, but it's not something that kind of defines me if that makes sense yeah. and, I, and yeah. what I learned from being in the choir and it goes back to what we were saying about you know a, a place to express oneself is actually it is what you make of it you know if I if someone offers me two tickets one's to a football game the other's to a drag show at the um, Admiral Duncan all right that's the pub you don't get tickets for that but you know what I mean yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to the football game because that that that's my bag you know, I, I, I still love standing in a crowd and singing with that community as well. And I can do that stuff when I want to do it as well. So... Can I have the drag tickets, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, 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 one's, no one's offered them to me. Uh, we'll, we'll see how I feel when the year when the, when the comes. Um, Shout out to anyone who wants to offer us, offer us tickets. We'll yeah, I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it is... It is a case of learning that actually you you live your life as you want to live it and you don't have to conform to perceptions or stereotypes that mm. other people may have. And and the choir helped me to break that because it is, again, it is that um, community of, of so many different people where no questions are asked. I think that goes back to, in my opinion, to visibility and representation because... Like you said, like I have, I have a flatmate as well who who's gay and who loves to play football. Like he, that, that was something. Like n- now he's 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 found teams to play in and whatever. But for him, that was a big contradiction as well. Where I'm like, the the, the more representation and the more visibility there is of like, well, awesome. Like I can be gay and still enjoy football or 
you know, I think that the more that, and that's happening now, I think the more that we have that, the more people are going to feel welcome and, and represented in that case as well. But I think, I don't know about you guys, but what surprised me about coming out more than anything else is how much of a continuous process that is. It's like you never really stop coming out, in my opinion, yeah. because you always meet new people. Like for me, like to my family, I think it was fairly late that I actually came out because honestly, what they thought of it didn't really matter to me because I was, you know, I, I couldn't change it anyways. <laughs> but to, to my friends, I, I came out quite earlier. But I think that was that was the biggest kind of thing that took me aback how like, you know, constantly like you have to reevaluate or or see you meet new people and like how do I do I approach it how do I approach it that was um very very surprising for me because of the timing of it I mean there are there are family members uh that I have that still don't know Mm. Uh, but that's broadly speaking because of COVID really um Mm. you know the the timing of it was such that I just I just didn't see these people before the pandemic and it's not something that I particularly want to do over the phone. It's not something that I particularly want to do over a text message or a social media post or whatever. I I, I didn't know what you just said, actually. Um, I, th- I thought that was just a kind of byproduct of, of awkward timing. I think also, you know, um, what's that amazing series that's just come out that everybody watched? Um, oh, the Russell T Davies one. It's a sin. That's it. I've still, oh my I've so still not seen it. I probably should have watched it in preparation for this. Ollie, Ollie, so Ollie, Ollie, I can't even be friends with you anymore. I'm done. <laughs> I'm leaving. Well, I, I no, I, I, I didn't watch it because I, I, I love Russell T. Davis. You know, he, he, yeah. you know, I, I um, grew up in his kind of Doctor Who era. He was, he was very much a kind of definitive writer of, of my formative years. So I do need to watch it. Um, this, this series, this series shook me it it grabbed my spinal cord and shook me to my core and I just felt the music everything just the embodiment the 80s oh my god they got the clothes and the hair so right it was scary I mean I could see myself walking in there with my my blonde perm going all all the crazy and the the block colors I thought to myself oh my god we thought we were so cool we were so wrong anyway (laughs) Um, we had, we had one of the characters, um, have a, we had a conversation with them, um, and it was so beautiful. He gave his story. Um, I think his name is Jonathan or Nathaniel. It could be Nathaniel. I don't know. I'm, I'm rubbish at remembering names. Um, and I watched Kill Bill last night. I can't remember what any of them called. (laughs) <laughs> badass I've, never, I've never seen that's it before. what they called <laughs> just okay, that's Uma Thurman and yeah I'm, I'm done yeah um anyway and he was talking about coming out so he, he gave a bit of a story of of his history and then he we were talking just frankly with him about coming out and he said coming out should be a celebration when when your child comes out to you don't don't just support them and say, hey, you know, that's great. Throw that kid a party. This is awesome news. Don't just, it's not just a thing. Yeah, it's just a thing maybe for 
somebody else, but this is your child. Take that kid and throw that kid the biggest party you have ever thrown because this is to be celebrated. Celebrate their identity, celebrate who they are and continue celebrating. And like Jana said, you know, you are, you're coming out every single time. And I think for me as a bisexual person, I can skate by. It's just every now and then I'll say something about my girlfriend and they go, oh, uh, you what? It's like, yeah, not straight, soz. <laughs> you know? It's like, um, but that continual re-emergence of your coming out and, and that can be quite stressful. And I think that's something also just to be, to bear in mind when you are talking to folks who identify as LGBTQ is that they have more to deal with on their plates than somebody who doesn't have LGBTQ within their realm. The mental health aspect of things, you know, think about what it feels like to come out every single day to people who you work with, to people you meet as, you know, new choir members. It's, it's that constant, that little feeling, you know, inside in the pit of your stomach that you think, oh, they're going to accept me or they're not going to accept me. It doesn't matter whether they do or don't. And you know that, but inside it's still, there's that little, you know, I sometimes, well, I don't really, I don't really care because I'm really like people as such, but you know, when I tell people, it's, it's not, it's not such a bad thing, but when I'm in a place where the people who I'm meeting actually matter like to my um to my career you know everybody at work knows where I stand so that's yeah, fine yeah. but when I meet somebody new so there's a part of me that goes okay get ready because this could go either way this could go go a good way it could go a bad way and luckily at work it's not allowed to go a bad way <laughs> it has to go the good way <laughs> But when you are talking to new choir members and you're, or you're going to a gig and you don't know what the hosts are like, you know, every time that you come out again, it's that little niggle. It's that little bit of anxiety and that builds mm. and that builds and that builds. And eventually you get to a point where you're so tired of it that you just need to step back and go, do you know what? I'm not okay. I need some time. I need to reset. And I need to go back into this. And that, I think, is so vital for the LGBTQ folks to realize and to remember it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Take a break. If things are getting to you, for God's sakes, just take a break. Go and talk to somebody. And if you don't want to go talk to somebody and you want to go into a corner under a duvet with ice cream and listening to Lady Gaga on repeat, that is also okay. But do it with someone. It's so much more fun, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it is. It's it's so important that you look after your mental health because you're in a you're in a position of of strength. You're in a position where you are different. You are not the norm, and that's awesome because that makes you even more special. Yeah, I, I love everything you just said, Ness, and I can just second that because, like, for me. I've been bullied in my last years of high school a lot. So, so I know, thanks. Um, I know what kind of, and, and I don't even know, honestly, I say all the time, if I wouldn't have moved to London to just like to, to, to have 
that community here to to just be able to be open, not in that you know little small town narrow-minded um, minefield. I honestly, I always say I don't even know how I would have ended up. So um, that is also, like you said, very important to to keep in the back of their minds that that they're that that we are dealing with might be dealing with stuff that you might not realize. And also, you said like throw throw the kid a party for you know being who they are amazing but also be aware of the fact that it of the amount of trust it actually took for that kid to come out to you you know like like i said for me it it, it took time to come out to my parents because not because of a lack of trust but like you, you never you're never going to be sure how it's going to go you know and that that definitely played into that so um yeah be be aware that that oh, that's that, that that's a lot of trust that whenever someone comes out to you that that they're placing on you as well yeah i think i mean the way the way i i mean i've led a relatively charmed existence in the sense that i i, I don't remember i don't no, I, I don't remember being um substantially bullied when i was at school maybe maybe sort of um early teens a little bit um but i you know Certainly by the time I was into sort of sick form, I remember being perhaps even sort of relatively popular. Um, but the, the way I've always, the way I articulated it to my dad um, in, the, in the sort of early days when we started talking about this is I said to him, I want to be able to say the word boyfriend as easily as you say the word wife. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Um, because, because, yeah, I... My, my, my dad's my dad's very much a, a social being he's like me he likes meeting people he wants to you know he wants to find out he wants to learn he, he's a cab driver so you know he's a good talker <laughs> and you know he, he he wants to go to uh the pub with his mates and he goes on golfing weekends and all these kinds of things he's, he's a social butterfly and i cannot imagine that my mother doesn't come up in conversation ever yeah. but i doubt but i but what i do doubt is that it ever? Is that he ever has a kind of double take about it? I don't. Th I don't think he'd ever think twice no. about mentioning it. Um, and when you are talking about a same-sex partner, you do. You it, even though I at this stage, you know, I, I started a new job about three or four months ago, um, and I went, okay, I'm just going to get this out of the way very quickly. Um, I, I happened to do a presentation in my second week in and I, I put a slide at the end saying the few facts about me and I put a photo um, in there of myself and my partner, you know, pick one out in which I thought he looked particularly handsome. Um, <laughs> but but even though it is something that I, that I clear with new people pretty early at this point, that feeling that you're talking about, it never leaves you never ever leaves you you always have that tiny little bit of doubt okay you go okay this this is a group of people watching this who's going to be the one do you and find it, that you try that you try and spot the one ollie i don't i don't actively try and spot it um because i i i, I like to try and treat a mind as open until you discover otherwise um <laughs> but <laughs> you're a bigger person than me i don't <laughs> Uh, well, well I, I mean, you know, I, I try to be, but I, you're always, you're always to an extent tentative. It's just the way it is, unfortunately. Whew. It's tough stuff, you know. You know, it's, 
you know, just talking about this now, it just, you know, because I've taken a bit of a break from from the pride, from the active pride community and putting stuff out there and just being on the receiving end, I just, it feels so heavy on my chest that it's just still something that we have to deal with. It's so, you know, we put people on the moon, for goodness sakes, come on. And then you just think, there are folks in Kenya, there's folks in Ethiopia and Myanmar, how, you know, they're dealing with so much persecution anyway. How the hell do you come out as gay? You don't because they're going to kill you. And it's just, you just kind of want to take a big paintbrush across the world and go, come on, sort out your crap. <laughs> just, you know, it's not harming you. It's not giving people a bad message i mean i was so encouraged i've got a friend and her 10 year old came out as trans and she reached out to me she goes just wanted to let you know i have amazing son and i went oh my goodness and i said right contact us Lisa. here's some resources and i just bombarded i said there you go now i'm going to leave you alone and i'm here if you need me and she said wow and the two of them dived into, and that was the beautiful thing that she didn't just dive into it on her own. She sat her son down next to her and said, right, let's do this together. Tell me, tell me what you think of what I'm reading. Is it, is it ringing true? And even at 10, 11, or is he 12 now? I can't remember. But he, you know, having that kind of acceptance from a mum who's just gone, do you know what? You're my kid. I don't care what you think you are i'm gonna love you anyway and i'm gonna make it all about you and i think that's something that's so beautiful that we're able to do but not everybody's as lucky and i think that within the choir you've got such a wide variety of people such a wide variety of ages of beliefs i mean you've got the whole world in one room haven't you yeah you've got you've got it all and it's about how do you represent the best of that world? So when you come into choir and whether you're virtual or whether you're doing the um, outdoor sessions, it's about... Which I do recommend, by the way, and more people should come to them. <laughs> I'm not traveling four hours for choir. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you guys, but I can't. I'm just not going <laughs> to. Um, but and and that's the beautiful thing you've got to realize that you are part of you are representing a beautiful part of the world you are the choir itself makes up this beautiful expression of music and color and everything you can think of and it's a release for some and it's a safe place for others and it's a challenge for others so many people are doing choir for so many different reasons and they are all things that complement one another so when you embrace the people around you that are different different in religion, different in skin color, and different in sexuality. That is a beautiful thing. So before you think, oh, I don't know about standing next to so-and-so because I think they're gay, you know what? A little bit of glitter might just drop off on you and you might be a little bit more sparkly and a little bit more fabulous. And just challenge yourself. That's my experience in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is you won't catch gay. It's not, you know... <laughs> 
you can't become gay just by standing next to a gay or touching them or whatever. I, you know, it's not, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you can touch them. Well. <laughs> But you you can't you can't catch it. It's not no, catchy. No. Um, you know you have to be chosen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, you know be be mindful. Be mindful of how your facial reactions happen when something you know coming across like that. And you know just love each other. Love each other. Care for each other. Be kind to one another. And I think that's, for me, that is the, the pride message is be, be fabulous and just care for one another. You know, do, treat others how you want to be treated yourself. doesn't matter what they believe in. doesn't matter what their sexuality is. doesn't matter if they wear rainbows or not. It is what it is. I think it's it's so important to surround yourself with as many different people in whatever kind of different that might be, just to expand your own horizon. You might Absolutely. you might disagree with them. It might not be your thing. Fine, not like it can't be all up your alley. But then you know at least you you kind of you have a better awareness of of the world initially, really. Yeah, and I think I think the uh, that's why some choice is important in um, the choir as well. I mean, I, all right, I've, I've gone a bit Simon Cowell at that point, but... Um... <laughs> Make it your own, Ollie. Make it your own. <laughs> you nailed it. Um... <laughs> oh my God, that was scary. That sounded, that was... Well, I, 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 do, you know what? I'm, I, do you know what? I'm just going to say it because th there will be people I know who are listening to this or who are going, go on, Ollie, say it. Tell them about how you met Simon Cowell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I met him at a work event very briefly, but um, awesome. There, there, there is a photo of me and him uh, in on the shelf in my hallway. Um, oh, I love it! I love it. But no, I, that that aside, um, you know, the, the repertoire that we have, yeah, I think it is in itself a kind of mirror image of of the people in the sense that you know it encompasses however many generations of music yeah uh, encompasses how many genres of music and captures so many different moods and expressions um and a wide range of characters um and you know the the you, you, you're i'm almost thinking about the the kind of the fundamentals of of music and, and performance you know it is about embodying characters yeah and we and they are just by their very nature it's a diverse bunch it encompasses the whole world and that's what the choir does and i think it all parallels out in that way i think the arts and theater have also always been especially valuable in in that to to kind of bring all the all the kind of different experience to to whoever wants to to immerse themselves in it as well because it's always been like kind of a creative place where you could play around with initially like everything that you wanted to so I think that's that's a very very important thing to notice about that as well yeah and I mean if people are you know if you want to if you want to educate yourself but you're not you're not a reader or you you just don't want to be trawling the internet and stuff like that um go and watch the movie pride it's called pride and it goes it's it's beautifully done again Back in the day, the the period um, has been shot so well. 
costume, well, set and everything like that. And it's about the mining industry um, collapsing under um, her ironness's rule and how the pride community comes up in support of it. And, you know, from one marginalized community to another, how they stood together and stepped up and made it work for them. What a beautiful, beautiful story. And, you know, just just to get a little bit more perspective on that, just gives you a bit of a look into what it was like back then. It's obviously not like that now, but do a little bit of history, you know, go back, have a look, see what you think of that. And then again, the series, it's a sin. It's, it's beautiful. It's raw. It's in your face. Um, if you don't cry, you don't have a heart, in my opinion. Um, and you should probably go and see a doctor. <laughs> yeah, the, the serious pose is very similar to that as well. That's it, pose. I've got a, yeah. it's on my watch list, definitely. The, the, way, the way I kind of look at this stuff in, in summary, if you like, is that, I mean, we're, we're here recording this today because of the choir, and it, and it is something which is there for people when they need it and for whatever reason that they need it you know yeah. whatever um you know sense of self they have and whatever it is about themselves that they're looking to explore or practice or um experiment with you know it, it is it is that blank canvas and it gives people um opportunity and and in a in a sense hope i think and and that is the beautiful thing about it just be fabulous be fabulous be fabulous to yourself so that you can be fabulous to others but remember to take care of yourself first and if you think that you would like to come out it's tough for some it's not for others everybody's experience is different but speak to somebody who you're comfortable with find yourself an ally find yourself a julie and sit down with them and say this is where i'm at and for those of you who are allies, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for stepping out, stepping up and standing in the gap for the LGBT community. It means the world to us. Please don't stop, continue. Please help us fight for more equality, for more justice, for more fabulousness and more glitter. That's, that's what I've got to say. And I'm glad you said the find the Julie bit because it's a wonderful way of checking whether she's listened to this or not. <laughs> I guarantee you she's going to listen because she's going to want to know if you're dishing the dirt on her, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> I very much wanted to kind of just step back and let you guys talk because I just knew that it would be magical. Um, <laughs> honestly, thank you so much. That was so great.